We are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes beyond the Walking Dead universe. And I'm recording this intro from the future, six years in the future to be exact. The reason why I'm doing this right now is to introduce you to our podcast. We've had very rough beginnings. As you will hear shortly, we didn't even have proper mics from the start, and we weren't using the proper equipment to actually record with one another remotely. Not many of you remember a program called Uber Conference, but it preceded Zoom, which we ended up using sometime in season nine or even season four of Fear the Walking Dead. So the audio quality isn't quite up to a particular standard that most podcasts use. And we've done a little editing on our end, but not too much. We've remixed this particular episode from its humble beginnings as much as we possibly could with the original recordings that were taken. So subsequent episodes might not be up to even that par. All of this to really say, if you're going on the journey from the very first episode. Forgive us as we move forward, and trust us when I say that the episode quality will dramatically increase as you continue listening, as most successful podcasts do. You start off one way, you give your listeners a little bit more along the way, and hopefully you learn something by hanging in there. And you might learn a little bit about us podcasters along the way as well. So without further ado, I present to you the first episode of Squawking Dead, covering the 100th episode of The Walking Dead, Season 8, Episode one take it away dave and carol of the past You're listening to Squawking Dead with Dave and Carol. Hello. And uh, we've basically started this podcast out of love for Walking Dead. I've been watching it for quite a while. And Carol just recently got into it, like within what, like the last year or so? I would say I started binge watching it at probably season four, I want to say, like maybe halfway through it. We're at season eight now, but I'm all cut up. Yeah. And well, that was like what uh, season, what was, it feels like season four was a billion years ago, you know, in my yeah, mind. Yeah. You know, I was, it, I was it, going it, through show it, notes. Yeah. No, and lately with like the marathons they show on like AMC, it like blows my mind when I see some of the stuff from like season four, season three. When I start, first started watching Walking Dead, it was kind of a weird story. We were all huddled in my apartment. It was like Superstorm Sandy. And it was like me, a pair of couch servers, one of my friends from the neighborhood. You know, I live in Greenpoint. And I think I had like another couch server. So like six people in an apartment and the only place with hot water, electricity, cable, internet, you know, out of all of New York City. Everybody had some, maybe not all. So Greenpoint was like the Mecca. It was the best hotel ever. (laughs) So and and we showed free walking dead. And it was weird because one of my friends, Julie, she was like, Oh, I don't know if I'm gonna like this. And then you know, you know, my two Brazilian couch surfers like, oh yeah, hell yeah. Cause you know, Brazilians are They love death and they live in Sao Paulo. So they're kind of yeah, used, to, they're used to I was going to say they're used to it then used to like murder and stuff like, oh, this is kind of tame. Yeah, this is going much. too slowly. <laughs> this is pretty tame by what we're used to. No, yeah, the carjackings happen faster. Yeah, exactly. So, no disrespect. Yeah. But you know, let's keep it real here. Come on. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> let's offend everybody. We'd watched basically four episodes in a row and into like two in the morning and I had work the next day, believe it or not, working from home. You know, oh. so imagine like six people in a in a huddled apartment, and then I have to wake up next day for work while everybody else is staying here, but like not doing anything because nobody can do anything. Yeah, other um, than you. Yeah, until the third day when they opened like free bus service into Manhattan, they're like, I think I better leave just to get some air. <laughs> At that point, the 
people started looking like The Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially me after a while. Tell me where you were, how you got into it. My sister-in-law and her husband are actually super into it before we were. And we went down to visit them one time down in Miami. And my husband and his brother-in-law can't hang at all. We had all the intentions of like, okay, we're going to sit and we're going to watch this starting from season one. And we sat, we set it up. Both of them passed out. I don't know if it was like maybe two hours into whatever. They're like, oh, you know, we're kind of tired. You know, can we watch it later? Whatever. Me and my sister-in-law were like, nope, we're going to keep watching it. Because we got through season one, actually. And then we were on season two two which was the whole Sophia was missing thing and oh, yeah, so it kind of right. drew us in and so we wanted to stay and like watch this thing it's like no you know we want to watch some more and I think like the moment that we got hooked was like that last episode when Sophia came out of the barn oh, <laughs> I think yeah. me and me and her just kind of sat there like oh Man, <laughs> just and now I'm actually trying to remember. Like, was that I, I keep forgetting if we saw Sophia before or after Sheen was killed? And it's like it's like boggling my mind, actually. It was yeah. it was it was before, right? If I'm not mistaken, yeah, 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 because that, that's when she came out. And then there was a whole like I don't know if it was a whole season where it led up to Shane, I, the death yeah. of Shane, yeah. I feel yeah, like yeah. there was like a whole season leading up to it, and there was I forget how many episodes where it was just them trying to find her, you know? Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. They still didn't know that she was in the barn even though they were no, because know, they, like, they were yeah, knocking around in there they were knocking around they had like all these walkers that were like in the barn they didn't realize until shane was basically like no we're not gonna house these walkers we're gonna just shoot them up they i'm opening like, it up you know like that <laughs> full shane <laughs> just take a look at where they are now and where they were back then they had to hide out in a farm to avoid walkers at all cost yeah and yet fear the walking dead for some reason they kind of just went into it yeah they don't really hide from walkers at that point Fear the Walking Dead doesn't even hide. And that was like kind of pre slash during the beginning slash a little bit into the Walking Dead, you know, and they're just kind of confronting them left and right. No fear, literally. It is true. Yeah. Like now they're just definitely way more. Not that it's like become like a nuisance because it's always like that clear and present danger that's always there. But I think it's sort of, you know, the ongoing kind of story like, well, what's the real danger? Is it man or is it monster? That sort of right. thing. So now they kind of figured out how to deal with walkers for the most part. So there is isn't that sort of like we have to run and hide from them the way they were where it's like okay we're gonna hide out in the cdc all right now we're gonna go hide out in the farm okay right, now we're gonna right. go hide out in the prison and like avoiding them at all costs you know barely yeah. killing them that sort of thing that's the interesting thing like th i don't think it was until the prison maybe that's when it started to dawn on me and, and uh, yeah maybe i'm a slow thinker but like that's when it started to dawn on me who were really the walking dead you know because like you're watching yeah. you're like okay zombies zombies you know it's the walking dead they're all over they're avoiding them and by the time the prison comes around they're really you know they're killing prisoners to kind of get into cells and blah yeah. blah blah and then you're like oh the yeah. walking dead is people like yeah you know. Green. <laughs> yeah exactly um, so but, yeah but that's basically what it was it was like that i feel like that season Reminous. season three was basically when it kind of pivoted and it was like okay this isn't just a zombie show this is more about man's instinct to survive at all costs and the nature of humans and all of that sort of stuff honestly i still have like a little bit of like there's always that little <laughs> thought in my head like is this just one big commentary on religion that always popped into my oh. head i always yeah, think because... that there's some sort of like i don't know like they make a lot of biblical references sometimes that i'm like 
I don't know. Is this just one big parable? Is this one big? I don't know. Well, that's interesting know. because if you remember, there was that episode, um, I think it was Four Walls and a Door or something. Yes. What, what they yes. had in the church. Yes. And that is exactly what I was thinking of. Are you thinking about like the passage that they had over the doorway when the walkers are going through and there's, and it literally says, he who drinks my blood shall have everlasting life. <laughs> <laughs> which is, which is, you know, walkers. So I'm like, okay, is this this one big commentary on religion? Is this what it's all about? Maybe. I, I think that Robert Kirkman, Kirkman has a really just, a, it's just hilarious, dark sense of humor. That's, yeah. that's my opinion. Because like, I mean, if you just look at all the dialogue from that episode, but like in all episodes, it's kind of like, why would anybody believe in God um, yeah. in the apocalypse? Like, and then Gabriel's that foil, you know, Father right. Gabriel is the foil for that idea. Like, oh my God, what? What, a, what an idiot you know yeah. what a goddamn idiot and yeah. we all say it we say it every single time we see him and every time he does something i i've gotten over it. it's kind of like i've gotten over trump in a way like right. i'm like okay i'm a little over the you know I've, ex I've accepted the limitations that is father gabriel exactly like, exactly <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah so you get me okay good yeah no i completely understand Kirkman's yeah. interesting. dark son of a bitch yeah weird al <laughs> okay so what i think i really want to start doing is getting to the meat of the show which is really you could either look at the show as kind of like a, a post show kind of show or like a pre-show to the next show and i mean because obviously we're going to speculate a lot along the way i mean we don't have the stars of the show on the show so i mean all we can really rely on is us and our brains our yeah. deep knowledge our, and our, your deep knowledge and my frail memory combined will make a hilarious show um, i will say that i do try to like because i've read the comics so oh, i try okay. very hard to kind of separate that out because sometimes they do deviate from it i think the comics serve to give you an idea overall direction of where it's going but they definitely take some turns yeah for sure yeah. i've taken pains to not actually read the comic because in my mind i'd rather see the show afterwards i can go back to the comics and say oh okay to me the comics would be like the behind the scenes you know or the uh, you right. know sketchboards literal sketchboards yeah. of the show you know how the sausage was made basically you're getting the mcdonald's version of it on the, on the <laughs> I, I can't i wish i didn't say that because now i'm kind of disparaging I, the show but i and like it's I, the fast food now kind of thing it's that satisfying feeling you know like 40 minutes or less and don't underestimate mcdonald's those are actually really really good burgers personally to me i'm sorry i know that's horrible but you know there's something about like the smash patty that i love i mean there's it, like everything there everybody has a favorite from mcdonald's it's like uh like sometimes it's the chicken nuggets sometimes it's the, the filet fish sometimes it's kind of like <laughs> oh no it doesn't taste like fish but it's just that, no. that deep fried something yeah exactly you know? deep fried something <laughs> if you could deep fry a fish long enough that's what it tastes like you know and then cheese and then tartar and sauce then actually it's more tartar <laughs> sauce than anything else but anyway <laughs> The Walking Dead. It's Instant Donald's. <laughs> Instant Donald's. Perfect. Instant Donald's. Whereas the comics is kind of like a five napkin burger. I don't know. Anyway, nobody knows what five napkin burger is. Never mind. Or uh, or like Shake Shack. Okay. Shake go. Shack. There you go. Where you have to pick it apart and be like, hmm. you want to go to Shake Shack all the time. But like in your head, you're kind of like, maybe. Like I'd feel more justified going to McDonald's than Shake Shack. Right. I'd be like, eh, you know, it doesn't hit my wallet so much. There's no ceremony to McDonald's. Right. Like with Shake Shack, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, we can have some Shake Shack. McDonald's like no big deal. I'm hungry. A, Let's do this. Right. It's a production. Walking Dead. That's exactly it. Just give it to me direct. Yeah, exactly. No affair. You know, people get mad at you if, if you don't take them to McDonald's, but they will get mad at. Hey, why don't you invite me to Shake Shack and that Ex sort of thing? Exactly. Exactly. It's an, exactly. It's a, it's an ordeal. So, it's an ordeal. It's and no that's why I don't read the comic. I. You know what? I. I get that. I get yeah. that, and I respect it. <laughs> okay. 
Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for approving my analogy. So what we're going to do is we're going to break down uh, season eight, episode one. Well, I don't want to start with the flashbacks right away. And there's a reason for that, because obviously the flashbacks are going to be the linchpin to the uh, what I think is where the season's going to go. Mm-hmm. But I kind of want to just pick on the little things, you know, along yes. the way. So yeah. I don't know. I'm sure you have notes. You're like the Yvette, Yvette Nicole Brown of this show, probably. <laughs> That's how you come off to me in life. So I'm assuming so much right now. I could be dead wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I know. After that buildup. Yeah. Pressure? Yes. Not much. No pressure. No, I mean, I think it's interesting, the overall themes of the show, because to me, it's like you said, there's the flashbacks that are kind of like its own kind of entity, because to me, the, there were various timelines that they were kind of throwing out there and they kept kind of jumping into and, and all of that, because it was like the present day, there was one scene where he's all red eyed that I take it to be a somewhere during the midst of this war, not present day, but some time in the near future. And then obviously like the flash forwards. It seems like there's a lot of this emphasis on like time because there was like the timing of all the explosives, the timing of these walkers. I mean, there were very, very detailed components to like their plan and it all was very synchronized and timed and Dwight clearly was involved in terms of like, you could tell that he, between him and Daryl with the notes, no more carrier pigeons in the apocalypse, huh? Yeah, I noticed <laughs> that. I thought about that when I saw that. I was like, I guess carrier pigeons and birds. I was like, I haven't really seen much birds also, yeah when did we see i forget when did we see carrier pigeons uh for the first time or did we ever see carrier pigeons I, i'm not like i'm like not remembering i feel like when you said this i'm like oh yeah of course carrier pigeons oh, well the, well you know what was a kingdom they were like harvesting pigs for That's the right. saviors so they oh, are, and, there are animals out oh there. those were the and if you remember those pigs were eating on zombie flesh so yes. we still never see here's the thing like you ever you ever notice on a show how they'll do something something will happen and you don't hear about it again and then all of a sudden a season and a half later it kind of comes up again oh yeah you know, I, I feel mean, like that's one of those things where the you know they fed the pig zombie parts and stuff and zombie flesh and they kept I, selling it to negan like the the whole negan the oh yeah uh, what are well, they called they, again the saviors well, right yeah and they kind of made a reference to it too when they were like oh yeah they're nice and full for you and all that but i'm yeah. still on this on the same episode though but we never hear about it again no i'm still waiting for heath and um what's his name dwight's woman Sherry to reappear. People just don't disappear on this show. <laughs> this doesn't happen. He, was was he the dude that with um Tara, the one that was with Tara on the mission and they got separated on the bridge? Oh yeah. Oh, but I don't think he's coming back. Do you? But they but they left a note card. She found a note card note card that said like PP or whatever. So then hmm. that, that has to mean that that's gonna come up somewhere. I don't know when, but it's coming up. I that's, think. See, that's like another thing we've kind of forgot about. If you think about it, really. Yeah. Like really think about it. It's like oh crap did we forget this much because i don't think like i don't even think talking dead really kind of brought that up i mean i think there was an assumption that he was not coming back but but then the thing is that with that note card they said that only robert kirkman knows what it means because of course he's like the holder of all this information (laughs) he's like the safe (laughs) holds all this information whatever it means and maybe he's one of those characters like that comes out from out of nowhere and sees how far they've changed we've seen this like every now and again like dude you guys are are weird yeah like yeah. what are you guys doing like why are you so aggressive or whatever something like that but yeah that could yeah. be one of those things it could but, be um, Dwight is their point person to the inside and I got the impression that Dwight basically is the one that kind of has fed them some of this recon, uh, recon information
information in terms of the lookouts and the points that they need to kind of start eliminating in order to kind of get all of this in place. Because the whole episode, it's almost like you're seeing this pre-planning that's going on. You've got Carol, Morgan, and um, Kara, and Daryl off yeah. on their other mission, which is just basically like to leave this herd, which by the way, they did the same thing, not leading a horde, but kind of they led a herd in the premiere of season six, when they like had the quarry yeah. with the herd and all of that. I'm just thinking about all the timing and you're right. They must have been planning it so long that they had this, you know, down pat. So like, this is kind of more of like a time lapse when, when we look at Tara, like they've been doing this for a while. Yep. Same as usual mm-hmm. about this time, right? Because they had it like she was able to count down and she was yeah. off by like a set, you know, a couple of seconds or so, but it was pretty accurate, all things considered. You have to kind of reset your clock for atomics. So. Yeah. The walkers have more accurate time than humans, basically. Yeah. Exactly. And then we have scenes where we see Rick and Carl. Well, first we see Carl at the gas station, basically kind of like searching or for something. Now, this was one of those things that was an exact replica from season one. One, yeah, the first episode. Right. The first episode. And by the way, oh, well, going back to the scene. So he's going through and then you hear like the voice of this guy, which you don't necessarily know who it is at first i think all you see is his legs you know at a certain point and he's talking about how he hasn't eaten and how somebody threw a microwave at him the disembodied voice yeah Yeah. exactly and how his mother always said um to give what you have to the traveler and and the the line comes up with mercy about um may my mercy prevail over my my wrath right i think at that point is when rick shows up and fires up and scares you know the guy away carl kind of comes down on him about that uh i mean right now rick is basically just focused so he's not this this isn't the kind of rick previously that sort of because remember back in the day they used to ask people questions how many walkers have you killed how many people have you killed like now it's sort of like no we can't trust can't trust they they could be you know this is exactly what he says he's like he could be one of them can't risk it yeah i mean i actually actually wrote that down like whatever happened to two questions and stuff like that how do you feel about look they're obviously where they're at right now in terms of the saviors you know you know maybe we can chalk this up to survival mode you know and maybe that's just the sum total of terminus you know saviors the what were the wild uh dudes with the w's i forget what they're oh called. the wolves the wolves wolves yeah. is that what they're called you know losing that little annoying kid sam and <laughs> and and the next door neighbor girl who is incredibly hot um yes. you know Okay, we'll never know. Rick tearing the ear off of the uh, biker yeah. dudes. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of been through a lot. <laughs> I mean, obviously it's excused, but at the same time, and I think this is kind of what Carl and him go through. Like Carl, at one point, had been more like if you, okay, it's funny because we re- we mentioned the farm. Mm-hmm. If you remember, Carl was really into like you know Shane and Carl, or basically you know yeah. Shane was training Carl to shoot a gun, and Rick was you know had this concerted effort to kind of keep him grounded and and you know if right. you're gonna do it, you know, educate yourself and treat with respect blah blah, blah. Yeah. you know and carl like up until now even was kind of to a certain degree kind of reckless until he kind of fell into uh, like our leadership role we really yeah. had a hard time with carl probably until his eye got shot out just yeah. before maybe which is interesting i'm gonna go mythology here but like uh odin basically yeah. giving his eye up to gain wisdom kind of thing yeah but i think so i think that that was a turning point for him where he kind of became more grounded and rather than being so reckless i mean he has no other choice. I mean, I think that he's very conscious of the fact that, and I mean, he's not a whole. He's he's not what he used to be. You know, I think that he had that young, arrogant cockiness. And, you know, in that moment, that was all gone. <laughs> 
yeah when a kid or when anybody sees how much they can possibly lose and then there's a tangible effect can't get your eye back i mean especially after the apocalypse so yeah yeah maybe it's yeah it's just that you know the cost what's interesting about that is one of the few things i know from the comic is that rick loses his hand right and (laughs) and it's funny how i don't know how the comic book goes but like let's imagine for a minute that carl loses his eye rick rick loses his hand and yet carl for some reason kind of reigns or tries to reign reign rick in and yet rick has lost his hand still goes on being his jerk but whatever you know being himself being the survival survivalist i think it's kind of interesting and i don't know what to make of that so far like okay just put it this way season eight episode one for the first I, i'm just gonna say maybe 15 minutes to 20 minutes heart palpitations like yes. even this part worried me you know, tremendously yeah that where the direction of where the show was gonna go honestly i was very surprised i did expect that okay we're going to start off strong it's a 100th episode this war is officially kicked off so we're going to completely get into it but i was very surprised to see the flashes of different times i was very surprised like the intensity and like the just kind of constant movement there was very little like lag time there was constantly things going on even if it was like right, planning right. but there was it's like an adhd's dream like yeah. you know a person with adhd would really dig this show well you know shiny 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 it's all relevant yeah all relevant no yeah, filler I feel, like, I feel like i'm watching lost now actually which is kind of weird to say if you really think about it there's the present yeah. there's the there's That's the future true. and then there's the future future so you know i feel like i'm in the last episode of lost basically we'll t- we'll we'll definitely talk about the flash forwards in a minute but like but it does kind of bring up the idea of what i wrote down was the sig- significance of tomorrow there'd been so much planning going into it down to times down to accuracy you know explosions but the one thing that really signified to me that this goes way beyond a simple plan the the better thought out plans like most people think of a plan you know to attack what really really got me was that maggie saying that i'll be there at least for the first part you mean like the first trimester kind of you know in a way and him saying when this is all over you know you're going to be the one leading which makes me wonder this plan is is really elaborate yeah it's more of like what happens in the long term it seems to me right you know with if we're talking trimesters we're talking months yeah and we're talking maybe up to six months at the very least yeah so it makes and- me wonder not really what they're going to do as much it really gives us enough time hopefully throughout the season to figure out i'm hoping they give us enough episodes the season and not not a huge ass break to actually really explain that to, to really go into that and like they've really kind of mapped out the idea that this ep- this season could take a while i think so and honestly i I, I kind of anticipated it going into the season. I wasn't sure if they would drag it out to like the first half of the season to the mid-season finale or are they going to because I mean not spoil anything in the comics or anything like that but it is a war. So as a war you have battles. You have some battles that go well and some that don't necessarily go as well as planned. So potentially you know you could stretch it out over the course of a season maybe intermix it in there with like I don't know Negan backstory because I mean we've got we've gotten backstory on the governor we've gotten time too and i mean we have time and i think it would make him a more compelling character because my only issue with negan is that i think that he needs some further development in terms to understand how in the world did this dude get here? <laughs> he's obviously power. Um, there's obviously something to him. Right. Right. Yeah. But for all intents and purposes, he knows what he's doing and he knows how to do it. But right. how did he get to this point? It makes you wonder how how he became some so organized. Yeah. What you'd said right now about the governor is 
is exactly what either we need or maybe we don't need it. I'm, I'm not sure because it's like if they do go into a backstory, they're kind of repeating a formula, True. which they try not to do. You know, they right. try not to make their characters repeating. So that right. would be interesting. That'd be, it'd be interesting to find out. I yeah. think I think what we may end up with is more of a what's going to happen to this character? Is this character going to continue being this kind of like a two dimensional character almost because his, right. his reactions and his lines are almost yeah. like we've almost got him to the point of predictability like in the beginning of the right. uh, of the seasons he was unpredictable the limits of his brutality right we just didn't know what he was going to do next right. but throughout the season we're kind of like you know we're seeing that how he gets people to get him on his side sort of thing i don't know if this is a trick or anything like if kirkman and, and company are, are kind of like playing with our heads you know we don't see him be that brutal okay there's the iron to the face but we weren't seeing the terrifying stuff that we the things that we saw like in the being in the beginning of the either the last season the season beforehand i believe right I, I think just, it's going to be like all of those things and then coming together somehow, swirling together to the point where we kind of maybe understand the motivations Yeah, why he's so think, desperate to be he, who he is. Yeah. And maybe it's not necessarily in the form of backstory, but somehow, because I think that he could use a little bit of further development. Because right now, I think that a lot of the complaint that people have is that he's almost kind of like a caricature of himself. Right, exactly. His, his, his one-liners, yeah. And part of it, honestly, I blame comic book purists for that because a lot of the lines that he says are word for word for what's in the comic. However, in the mm. comic, it works because it needs to jump out of a page. It has to in order to It is a, a caricature. <laughs> but on the television show, it just comes across as maybe a little campy or, or just right. over the top because it's just not the same medium. It just doesn't work the same way. Way. it doesn't translate the same way so right. there needs to that has to be considered but you know obviously there are people that are like no it has to be word for word for how it is it's like well no <laughs> doesn't have to be word for word. And that's funny. Yeah. That's kind of like why I don't read the comic too, because right. what I like about the show is not necessarily how dark it gets, but how, oh, okay, I can relate to this because that's a very human reaction, quality, you know, emotion. It's rough and it really gets you. I've read comics like that. That's true. But I feel like comics have to, in some ways, sensationalize panels, obviously with visuals, right. but, you know, obviously also sensationalize and kind of grab you with words in order to take an effect, you know? Right. So I think a lot of things can be more understated with looks and stuff like that in a TV show where it's there's motion, there's expression, there's you know a lot of things going on that doesn't have to be said. And I mean, that's kind of basically what I'm saying is like the, the two dimensional bit, like, okay, it's gonna get old. And when he does something insane, it's gonna feel almost inauthentic. It's either gonna be a backstory or it's gonna be like a peek into. It's funny, when I, as I was watching this episode, I feel like they were mapping out the season in subtle ways just in yes. the first episode. And maybe one yep. of those things was the way Negan came out. Oh, uh, and I'll give you a funny one. When I was watching the show, they said something about the world getting bigger, you know? Yes. yes. And and I don't know if, about you, but that to me was the signal that Fear of the Walking Dead was going to do the crossover. That to me was a nod to that. Like a little a little insider's nod to the idea that's that a, they're going to join up. That's a whole other beast that I need to wrap my head around. <laughs> yes. That's a whole other animal I need to wrap my head around. But I kind of yeah. like that little nod and that's that's how i regarded that yeah no i i completely see that well i think part of it also came from for me was that when they first captured jesus back in what was that season six i think it was when by the way just anytime any anything anybody says anything just and says jesus my <laughs> mind thinks jesus the christian lord and savior kind of thing <laughs> 
So if I laugh funny, anytime you say, you know, so we were talking about Jesus and I'm like, I just, I, my mind is going to just go there and yours is too now. I hope. Yeah. So. No, it does. It's like automatically. So they captured Jesus. Like, so they captured. Our so, back, captured. so back when they captured Jesus, you know, back in season six, you know, right, right. but I remember, you know, the, the, the whole scuffle between, you know, Rick, Daryl and Jesus and eventually them capturing Jesus and bringing him back to, you know, Alexandria tied up and he somehow miraculously, you know, as Jesus does, got his <laughs> way out of, out, of his, out of his ties that bind him. I think he mentioned in that episode when they kind of questioned, like, who are you and where are you coming from or whatever? You know, are you part of a community? I think he might have said your world's about to get a lot bigger. And I think that that yes. was, I think that that was kind of part of it, too. Yes, that is a good point. That and that led to the hilltop that led to um, the kingdom. Yeah. Oh, man. It's yeah. all Jesus. The wolves. <laughs> the wolves. Ugh. Yeah, I, I think I was listening to something that somebody was saying, like, this cast is enormous right now, which it is. It's true. But you know what's interesting? And the, this kind of brings it back to the pigs and... Um, PP, <laughs> yeah, the wolves. So we know that guy escaped, and we know that a lot of them are dead. However, I'm wondering if they will, in some way, play a part in any of this. Because if you think about it, I feel like it was that that whole arc was kind of like we tamed a wolf and we sent him back to the pack, and right. maybe there is some right. good that came out of it. There's some humanity. Never you know? know. And so, so I'm wondering if that will make a comeback in some positive, weird way. You know? Well, well, we know the garbage people are still out there. <laughs> They're garbage people. What's your feeling about them? Because honestly, I, have, I wouldn't have such an issue with the garbage people as a community. It's just the language, the way they talk that I just don't quite understand. Because I would be totally down with the fact if they had their own language, you know, like their own kind of secret code that was some sort of mixture of different languages that only they knew. So they knew that that was part of their community. Right, for their purposes, be, right. For like the bells purposes. in that other camp. Right, like with the, the ocean side, whatever they're called. Yeah, yeah. Then I get it but it's just sort of like me go now like i don't right. know like, how useful is that i don't it's just weird but it was it's just, it just weird like but it was, humanity it, hasn't descended to the point where we've lost common language you know well it, it was really funny i read an article one time where somebody said well it's a good thing to know that the english language has a shelf life of like three years <laughs> oh my god and you know it would be one thing if one of them was kind of mentally challenged but like a whole they all do they like all, all talk of them are the same <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I'm going to hell. I'm sorry, but no, I just but needed to just, make a point there. It's just bizarre. The only thing I can figure is that one person got in their head to be that way, and then it's just like, no, everybody has to talk this way. That's what yeah, happened. We better we better talk like this, or else you know she's going to bring out the knives, you know, or right. she, we'll have to have sex with her again or something. Yeah, you can only have so much sex, and then it's kind of like eh, I'm either over it or I'm really tired. And they all have space age names like jadis and right. uh what is it tamiel <laughs> i don't i don't understand i i haven't figured out the garbage people <laughs> yeah. at all i kind of don't even want to in, in a weird way like there's a part of me that's kind of like okay is there's a story there but do i really want to know what it is i don't know I don't know I feel- what the, what their whole place is and all this because they're one of those like wild cards that they just threw in there because it was like there's no such thing as this in the comics so I don't know what the point of these people are no clue wait so wait hold on a second you said there's there's no mention of them in the, com- in the comics no no this is oh, a completely this is a completely made for TV group so I don't know what their oh. role is at all that's even more interesting to me because they look like they would be something yeah. see in a comic book this stuff would kind of make sense we would kind well, of excuse it because it's a comic yeah. book yep 
exactly. There's a level of unrealistic expectations that yeah. we accept. They Whereas on a TV show where we're course. exploring heavy emotions, no, we just don't let that slide. No, they look very much like a comic book kind of group, but they're not. I don't know what their purpose is other than to play spoiler. They can pivot them however they want and kind of use them however they want. I mean, Daryl's not in the comic, so Daryl's always a wild card. I mean, oh, really? Okay, I didn't yeah. know that. No, Daryl wasn't oh. supposed to live this long. <laughs> But he just became such a fan favorite that they were like, well, keep him around. Yeah. Not only that, to become so such a pivotal character. Exactly. So they can I mean, kind of do whatever they want with them, really. Yeah. I mean, look how long it took for them to kill Glenn. To fake yes. kill Glenn, then to kind of yeah. kill... Then they really killed Glenn. Right. If I'm not mistaken, in the way that... Kind of the it. way that he was supposed to go out. I think he was supposed to go out with a baseball bat anyway. I think it was his yes. own, if I'm not mistaken. This is it what was, I heard. The way it happened in, in the premiere was the way that it happened in the comic book. The only difference I would say is Abraham was not... I, I think in the show, like you kind of got thrown off because obviously he kills Abraham first. And you kind of think, okay, it's over. <laughs> right, it. right. You don't necessarily expect that somebody else is going to be killed and then it kind of throws you off for when Glenn is killed and that doesn't happen in the comic in the comic it's one person is made an example and that's Glenn Abraham is already dead by that point oh, so yeah. but from from another situation not from right. this particular incident well they wrapped that mm-hmm. up neatly <laughs> they did wrap that up very neatly <laughs> but I am glad because this is one of the things that you see in the episode like when they show these different scenes like you see Rick at the grave sites so I like the fact that Glenn and Abraham's death are still very, very much a motivating force and factor in this. It's not like, yeah, they died. Well, yeah, that sucks. Now we gotta sucks to be them. right. You know, What's for dinner. Now we gotta keep moving. You know, it's Big like Tuesday. What? Right. You know. So I'm, I'm glad that it's like, no. You know, this happened. This is a big deal. This is the whole crutch of what we're doing here, and it's still weighing on him. It's weighing on Rick's conscience. You know, this whole thing. You kind of see that he just has no patience. It, the, even the way that they show them taking out these saviors and these outposts no mercy <laughs> no mercy Mm-mm. none whatsoever I mean the guy that was at one outpost that he stabs in the stomach and right. he starts talking crap to him and he basically alright I'll let this walker just basically kill you slowly <laughs> and he right, up right. like just no mercy whatsoever at all and it's funny like when you hear him say all that stuff I don't know about you but it still kind of gets me how manipulative the saviors are yes. you know like I'm gonna say this word but it still kind of triggers me yes. like oh you don't know what's coming you know yeah. you got you on your knees last two times you know you're not going to survive it did kind of trigger that that heart palpitating yeah yeah, it does because because you've seen the extent of what they can do and the numbers just the sheer numbers and force that they have behind them of these guys that are just and the thing is that in reality the kingdom the hilltop the alexandrians (laughs) you know these These are, none of these people are particularly very martial. They're not, you know, I mean, they've been training them, you know, to be. I mean, the kingdom obviously has their faction of people that have been trained to fight. But it just seems like when you look at the saviors, they're just a bunch of, I mean, and obviously there are people who aren't fighters, but they have a large contingency of fighters on their side that are always armed. And they just have this mob mentality or gang mentality. They stand behind their fearless leader 
leader as long as he's standing. And they it's just, funny. And if you think about it, yeah, if you think about it, like look at how the Alexandrians were, you know, obviously before Rick's crew came in. If you really think about it, the saviors are kind of like an anti Alex, you know, Alexandria, yes. obviously Rick's crew. But I mean, it's every reason to hate the Alexandrians and the response is the saviors. They're ruthless. Right. They're, you know, they go out, they scout, they come back, yep. they make people do things for them. Yep. Where the, the Alexandrians they just want to be in a hidey hole the rest of the time and, and, yep. and stay to themselves and not really have to really get their hands dirty. And then Rick's crew, I mean, obviously they've been trained, they've been surviving out in the woods, but they didn't plant roots. They didn't make people do things. So they're they're riding this big gray area where they couldn't be anything, you know, whereas yeah. the two other si- opposite sides, you know, they were they became something. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's a huge difference in terms of, and that's why when, you know, any of these saviors make any threats, you know, it's it's menacing. The only guy I would say who isn't is the one savior, the one that they always showed at the, you know how that was always like, I call them like the D team of the saviors, the ones that would do the drop offs with the kingdom. They're not even the- like, they're no, they're like the D team, you know, the, the, the head lieutenant, you can tell he's not really like buying this whole savior thing. Like he's just, talking about the Gavin dude. Yeah, he's just Gavin. doing it to do it. I loved. Let's I mean, let's take a break. What, what did he say? He said, "Let's." He's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's take a timeout." I was <laughs> timeout. Like, time out. oh wow. Okay, this is going down. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I love that. He's like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Just take a and, and Regina out. on the left. I hope we see blood today. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <sighs> God. Let's take let's take a timeout. Yeah, I lo- I love that. I was like, I love that he's the one guy that's like, ah. <laughs> Let's just take a time out here. Immediately yeah. shot down. No. Well, actually, this is a good segue to what I want to talk about because as he's calling everybody out by name, obviously pissed at Eugene. Yes. And what I want to know is what you think about him. Eugene? What do you think is going on in his head? Is he doing like fifth dimension calculus on, on what he should do? <laughs> I just hit me. That's a factor that I really want to bust out for a few minutes. I think Eugene is still a good person at his core, but I think that Eugene is a coward. And at the end of the day, he needs somebody who will protect him. Same thing with Abraham. Abraham was his protector. He basically was the brains behind Abraham. And now he's not the brains behind Negan, but kind of, you know, Negan basically keeps him around because of what he perceives to be his intelligence to be able to help him and be his chief of engineering or whatever. Oh, he's He gets protection from him. He got protection from Abraham. He gets protection from Negan. He can't survive on his own. He had his little fleeting moment of bravery when he tried to leave the Harvey, you know, to leave the Savior away when Maggie was was ill and they were trying to get her to the doctor but that's it right Right, (laughs) that that was his moment and it doesn't come naturally to him he's not brave the way you know Rick who's a sheriff or or Abraham a soldier like he's just he's not that kind of guy when they took away Abraham they took away his means for survival or his means for for bravery let's say yeah Abraham was the only one was that really kind of uh, protected him because everybody else kind of tolerated him but you never really saw him interact too much with anybody else i mean it was kind of like oh yeah eugene yeah <laughs> oh and, and you know putting the glass in the gas tank or the sand whatever it was in the gas tank and fucking that up yeah and the dc yeah. trip and all that stuff you know right. being exposed but actually what you brought something up that was interesting because just now with negan and it's that let's turn that paradigm on its head so abraham was protecting eugene not only is eugene sticking around because you know obviously negan offers some creature comfort status protection 
person and value and like values him as a person. He really has the ability to contribute there. Whereas, you know, not so much even with Rick's crew, what bullets at the last second. Right. But at the end of the day, he, he couldn't offer anything substantial enough to really contribute. But what if there's something more to that? What if in some weird way you could even say that he's Negan's protector? If you really think about it, I mean, look at all the chemistry knowledge that he ha- that he dropped on on those girls, you know, yeah. stuff that we haven't really seen. Like, did we really see anything, you know, Eugene's prowess? We kind of all assumed it, took it for granted, you know, maybe even believe the hype. But beyond that, oh, what glass in a gas tank? Like if you throw anything yeah. into a gas tank, the odds are it'll do something. But right. <laughs> it's right. kind of interesting to see the value he's brought to the saviors. He did make those poison pills. They, they were legit. He legitimately made those with like, you know, bare materials that he could get from the sanctuary. So he does have uh, abilities and he does have an intelligence to help. And his suggestion about kind of using the walkers, um, you know, melting metal on them to kind of mold them onto the fence and all of that. I mean, protect he, their heads. Yeah. Yeah. He is intelligent and he is offering them methods and ways to kind of help them without him necessarily getting his hands dirty. He's offering them his insight as, as to what would be beneficial to them. And I think that they get it. I mean, they have a lot of like rough and tough guys on the sanctuary, but I don't think that they necessarily have people with brains that could kind of help them. I mean, look, they, they took the doctor from the hill. Oh yeah. They, they fucked up the doctor basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> and sent a whole bunch of aspirin to the hilltop. They did. <laughs> a whole like crate of aspirin. Yeah. It does make me wonder what their strategy is because one doctor amongst a ton of saviors. Yeah. And you'd think the doctor would have this tremendous status. I guess at the same time, Negan doesn't want to tip off to everybody else that he, you know, he's being held by the balls by somebody who, you know, right. is beneath him in his eyes. So right. that kind of does speak to something, but it just makes me wonder what the strategy is here, you know? And, and maybe he's found the kind of simpleton too cowardly to even dare do anything daring. You know, the point right. where he could have done something daring, you know? Yeah. And, you know, the, with the poison pill and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something about his presence that's, that is intimidating because we have had characters that have had many opportunities and it's a criticism that comes up where people have had very clear shots <laughs> to be able to take at Negan and somehow it just never happens. So Yeah, but I think it goes down to that uh, lookout dude and how you either bought into it to the point where you can yeah. instill it in others. Yeah. You know, and trigger me in the process. Yeah. Or yeah. or, yeah. you know, you are at least, you know, fooled enough to really not fuck with anybody, you know, not fuck with anybody on the inside, not fuck yeah. with the top tier guys, not yeah. and to know that this is just the way it's going to be. This is the system. Which kind of brings up the point. I think at the end of the day, people want a system. Them. People want order of some kind and hardcore order, right. 140 characters right. or less, yeah. you know, kind of order. And that's how he runs his sanctuary, which the is devil you um, know. yes, and it's Nick. very, very much a law and order. He is a law and order dictator. That is how he runs his society. And there are rules, and if you break the rules, there are repercussions. Right. And, that's, and that's how his society works. I don't think we've seen this as much, but the one credit you can give 
the saviors is that they don't go ham. You know, there is a level yeah. of justice. Like you'd have to do enough to really screw up. You know, you'd have to go yeah. just the one step too far and which most people don't do. Chances are given, even that big dude, uh, the big dude that was guarding, um, what's his name's motorcycle. Oh uh, yeah. Um, Dixon, right. <laughs> fat, fat Joe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He screwed up. He, I mean, he, they kind of mentioned it here and there. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, uh, you know, he's still on, as long as he doesn't do something that's just out of control, you know, right. or take Negan's wives or something like that. Right. Which, right. Why would you do? Right. Exactly. Now, yeah. it's true. In theory, it's reasonable. <laughs> It's just that the punishments are perhaps a little bit severe. <laughs> Once you do do something wrong, yeah, that, that punishment is uh, pretty harsh. Yeah, pretty yeah. Harsh. And, and it's public and it's as many people as can see it as, as possible, basically. It's a spectacle. So, it's yeah. made a spectacle. On purpose. But it does bring it back to Eugene. Like, what do you think he's going to do? What do you think is going th- through his mind right now? I mean, ultimately. I think he's probably shocked that this is even happening. <laughs> the fact that mm-hmm. they're there and, you know, basically presenting this threat i'm sure that at this point he's probably just trying to kind of protect himself at all costs but in terms of what he's going to do from here i still think in the long run he'll end up on the good side of things i don't really i think so i do at his heart him and rosita have a very long relationship or, or friendship that's how we met them we met abraham eugene and rosita together you get the impression that they had been traveling together as a group for some time which is why when we had the season finale and he showed up with his bullhorn and you know saying i am negan or whatever she seemed the most hurt about that everybody else was kind of like disgusted (laughs) but she seemed to be like very kind of emotionally hurt and angry by that i think that there's more there i think that he'll eventually come around especially depending on how the tides turn because i think really eugene is an is an opportunist <laughs> not yeah, an evil yeah. opportunist I, but... I can sense that for me i don't doubt that for a minute that's i think that's the only thing i may agree with you on with this yeah and which bothers me and it should bother everybody like yeah no he's an know? opportunist and he's like look at xander berkeley's character i mean gregory yeah. like oh, by the way I have, I have like this weird secret crush on xander berkeley <laughs> but i'll get into that some other time but yeah which assuming he's still around we might, but we may not. But yeah, I mean, Gregory is exactly the same way. He molds yeah. himself to the situation that right. provides the most opportunity for him to survive. So what right. separates them, if you think about it? I think that what Aside separates your, them... You know, eccentricities. I, I think what separates the two is that Eugene has had opportunities to favor himself in Egan's eyes, and he hasn't done it. He could have basically ratted out the wives that, for all intents and purposes, kind of sort of admitted that they were basically trying to kill him or kill uh, Negan or whatever. That's why they kind of came to him with that. And to our knowledge, he never brought that to Negan. But if he really wanted to kind of endear himself, he could, you know, the same thing as Gregory, basically running, you know, into their laps to say like, oh, they're they're trying to come here and, you know, basically probably filling them in on everything. But I don't think that even with the Sasha situation, Sasha told him that she wanted to kill herself. So he basically gave her the opportunity to do that in the, the nicest way 
that he could, what's the word, peaceful way that he could, and never, you know, said a word about it. So I think he's had opportunities to kind of make himself more attractive in Negan's eyes. I don't think that he wants to be. I think he just wants to lay low and just kind of be safe. He just wants to hide behind the nice, good defenses of the sanctuary and just push his papers, stay middle management, and just kind of like take the food, the TV, and the video games and be good. I don't think he wants to kind of like be buddy-buddy, whereas Gregory seems to want to kind of like be buddy-buddy with maybe not Negan, but uh, what's his name? Uh, the right, his right hand, Simon. Oh, Simon, um, right. Right. Every time that they would go over to the hilltop, like, oh, you know, you know, alcohol or the scotch or the whiskey or whatever. Gregory's trying <laughs> to get on his, he time. needs to reach his comfort level. I, and I think I, I, I could re- relegate that to really just being, because as we were talking about this, I'm realizing that it's maybe just the, the idea of Gregory doesn't have any obvious skills. He's right. not very smart. I mean, he's very yeah. charismatic, which is interesting interesting if you really infuse eugene with gregory's charisma and his his just his his overall affect and charm okay i'm just i this is basically my love letter to sandra berkeley right now his dreamy eyes and his his charm facial hair and his sense of class so anyway if you take all those things and put them into eugene you'd have somebody who is just a born leader yeah the charisma the intelligence basically enough of the calculus that you need to be where you're supposed to be or do what you're supposed to do and maybe bring others along with you. Because I mean, Gregory did that for a long time, giving people the illusion, the illusion because he didn't have the brains of safety and, and, you know, respect and and all that stuff. When meanwhile, he was just cutting deals, you know, with China. Um, But, you know, know, he's like the Donald Trump of the show. Pretty Um, much, pretty much. Yeah, or Russia, whatever. So, (laughs) so they're essentially the same character except imagine if both of these characters, being who they are, but then you give Eugene a little bravery, you know, that little bit of bravery that he, I'm giving him credit here, the bravery that he found with all of his experiences with Abraham, with bearing the hatchet and fucking it up and bearing the hatchet again. That little bit of bravery, if he didn't even have that, he would have found that he was, he would be useless to Negan, but with that little bravery, and this is probably to Negan's credit almost too, had he not gotten that lesson, making the bullet and all that stuff, you know, he probably wouldn't have gotten as far as he, he got. That is true. That is very true. I forgot about that, about the bullet factory. I wonder if mm-hmm. that's going to come into play. I yeah, and again, that's the, yeah, and again, that's the only time we've really ever seen his skill, ever. Yes. Which, and, which still wasn't enough for me. And then no. all those science experiments, and it was just kind of cool. And no internet, so he couldn't have looked it up. So no. he really, that was all memory. Yep, all memory. <laughs> Anarchist cookbook. <laughs> oh yeah. See, that's what I relegated his bullet making to. Like, oh okay, maybe yes. he kind of winged it. He does have some maybe basic mechanical knowledge, so maybe he did that. I don't know. You know, maybe he pulled a lot of pranks as a kid, which is why he knew exactly what to put in, put in the gas tank. Yeah, I yeah. kind of wrote him off for a long time because I'm like, this guy's full of shit. <laughs> yeah. No, and I mean, and that's, but I mean, that's basically how we all felt, especially when it came out that the whole DC. Yeah, right. Thing, <laughs> everybody Nobody took him seriously after no. that at all. No, no, nobody did. I mean, I felt horrible for Abraham, who I think that gave him a purpose. Like Abraham was a soldier and that was his right. mission to protect Eugene. He's the most important person. We have to get him to, you know, DC. And that all just shot to hell. 
all these people are are kind of like they're pieces. They they're pieces of a whole. As you peel back the layers, you find that they're not whole. I mean, Abraham right. and Eugene together still were not whole. Yeah. You have this piece was full of shit. You have Abraham who was only this, you right. know, and he was missing his humanity on a level. What I want to do now is I'm looking at my notes. I cannot. I wrote so many things about Gregory <laughs> just out loud. <laughs> You know, you're like, you're like I, don't I don't know about this whole Rick thing. Like the star of the show, clearly. <laughs> clearly is the guy that fell down the stairs trying to give himself a pat on the back, you know. <laughs> what a heel, no, man. I, he is I, a he, he is like a tremendously good heel though. Like I mean Oh my is, god. His but, his facial tics are just mesmerizing. Yeah. He's like he's like the guy you love to hate. You're like, oh, Gregory, here we go. <laughs> I mean, he's like a walking Sondheim play. You know, it's just this weird, everything that, every little thing that he does to me is just this, like even an eye twitch is like an, just this, it's overblown to me. It's like, it's like theater. You know, well, you know what I appreciate about characters like Eugene and Gregory is that quite honestly, part of the reason why The Walking Dead is so great and is what it is, is that these characters are larger than life. So comic booky in the sense like Rick is the sheriff and Michonne is is the the samurai and Daryl's the (laughs) archer. And like, it's all just so large than life and what i like about gregory and eugene though is that i mean these are like more honestly if any one of us god forbid we're in the zombie apocalypse i think a lot of us would love to think that we'd be michonne or daryl or rick but let's be honest we're we're either eugene or gregory a whole lot of us would be like i'm definitely gregory i'm just gonna say that out loud (laughs) that's what i'm saying or i hope to be gregory in a weird way that's my step up from where i am right now the reality is like come on you know it's like and i remember like i think the last season when they the mid-season premiere of last season when they tried to kind of convince when they decided okay we're going to gather everybody up we're going to try and get everybody together to put together this defense or whatever and i think they started off by going to the hilltop and talking to gregory and you know they try to give these compelling speeches about you know (laughs) the world is better without the saviors and if you know if you can do something and i I love that gregory i think he said something like let me stop you right there (laughs) no he's like all right no 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 (laughs) and i appreciate that i wear my shitting pants every day for a reason yeah yeah i appreciate the honesty because that's real i think we put eugene on and and gregory on a show like i don't even want to talk more about the whole him stealing the you know father gabriel's car that that was obvious like i knew that was gonna happen i knew that too I don't even know. I don't care what happens next with that whole situation. I mean, obviously, I care about Father Gabriel, but that is going to be a really interesting thing. Yes. I'm very curious to see where that goes. Very much so. We have no idea where this is going to go. We've had, like, first of all, RIP the RV, right? Right. All those those five things are acronyms. So, yes. yes, RIP the RV, probably for the last time, finally. Like, because you remember Dale's RV, and I don't even know if that's the same RV. I was thinking about that. I was like, is that the same RV? But I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so, but still. It's definitely the same one that Tara and Heath used on their mission because I remember seeing it. So like for sure, they had been using it for these runs. 
but I don't know how far back that RV goes. Actually, no how about this? How about this? Let's think about this for a minute. Think about what the RV represents mm-hmm. in the show. Let's assume that it is, it's the same RV, Dale's RV, right? Right. How awesome would that be? Like Viking funeral, like dying in the call in the service of other people. But also if you think about it, what if the RV was a anthropomorphic representation of their humanity? You know, obviously they put a mask on it, you know, right. like it was going to war, you know, yeah. Kind of shield the blow, and that was the only thing that survived, sort of, really, yeah. uh, of the whole thing, and it protected Negan. So there's some illustration right there. But what if it was that? And you remember they were always working on the RV. You know, first it would, yeah. first Dale, then Glenn, and then Rick, and then everybody else, and then what a Maggie's dad. I'm now forgetting yeah. his name right now. He's like one of oh, my favorite uh, darling characters. I, I think I love old men. Old white men for some reason. I don't know. Sucker. Men. I'm a sucker for old white men. <laughs> Well, let's repeat was- that in a, in a, in a, <laughs> what are those, those auto tune remixes? I love, I, I love old white men. <laughs> anyway, whatever. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Do you know, though, that Herschel was on Talking Herschel. Dead? I don't know if you saw it. So they brought him back. He looks exactly the same. Like oh, nothing, darling, no. nothing changed. I was like, oh. oh may he no. remain that adorable, well-spoken, articulate, yes. just yeah. charming man who has good insights, too, by the way. He just Very sees so good. much cool things. He, and he passed that down to Glenn. He just had that kind of really calm, thoughtful insight. And that was, yeah, that was a pretty shocking one when I think about that. When when Herschel was killed, that was definitely, oof. That, I did not expect that. <laughs> did not expect that to happen yeah, at all. It was cruel and unusual punishment for us. Yeah. Probably Herschel, but yeah, you get the idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, but then, yeah, but the RV, and the RV was in that scene too, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not, I'm trying to remember, actually. I think there was a tank again? Uh, I'm not, I don't remember. Tank. But yeah, I mean, let's assume that the RV was throughout the whole thing. And that says something, or maybe you could even see it as a way of discarding the way the show used to be maybe like saying a final farewell to what we thought the show was kind of like at first you know and going into this whole other level of humanity of or dehumanity i I think so i mean i could definitely i think that they're definitely trying to allude in different ways of this whole kind of new beginning so i would i wouldn't be surprised if it was the same rv and this is a way to kind of further drive the point home of this new direction this new tomorrow actually the word they kind of threw around a lot yes definitely significance of that so yeah i mean the rv doesn't belong in tomorrow but yeah so what's interesting about that is that negan and rick were trapped in that rv well actually rick was more trapped negan made it seem like he wasn't trapped he was making rick do all this stuff right and fighting it out him taking the rv him hanging onto that body hanging from the bridge and all that stuff and then he finally got it back and now father gabriel is trapped in it in a trailer not an rv but still kind of a similar situation and it makes me wonder how there is no telling how this is going to shake out if there's no. going to be any similarity to what we saw you know with rick yeah i think that there'll definitely be some sort of negan is a manipulator a master manipulator and they're in a tough position they're obviously in a very bad spot surrounded by walkers i would venture to think that somebody like negan would kind of think that this is the time that i need to use this guy in a way to help me get out of here and then he'll do with him as he will but right. I think at the forefront, he's going to try and use him to his advantage. Right. Because it seems as a like human shield. Does. Right. <laughs> he's a meat, meat shield. <laughs> as a meat shield. Exactly. Because, you know, as we're talking does. about this. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. He'll just go surfing on, 
how they're going to be on oh, phones. God. But when I'm thinking, <laughs> or like crowd surfing, you know, but yes. um, <laughs> very rock and roll of Megan, uh, which makes sense, you know. It's in character. But as we're talking about this, I'm thinking to myself, we've always underestimated Father Gabriel. Yeah, we've seen him yeah. come into his own. We've seen him assert himself, you know, he's like finally cop on all that stuff. And obviously he's earned his stripes because through it all, he's kind of gotten the gist, adapted, gotten the gist, adapted to the point where Rick has his respect. So my thinking is that what if Father Gabriel is kind of like maybe the the linchpin to this season? What if it all starts with Father Gabriel and uh, Negan being stuck in that trailer and then Father Gabriel says something or does something that trips Negan up really badly? Maybe going back to the thing you said in the beginning where you know maybe it's not that we see an origin story, but maybe we see him do something that is completely out of character. Maybe there's more significance to this than we realize. There could be. I mean, right I'm place, very, right time. Yeah. I mean, I'm very curious to see what's going to come from this, them being stuck in this trailer. I, I definitely think there's going to be more to it. I don't think that he's just going to flat out kill Father Gabriel. I don't see that happening. Especially since Father Gabriel is like, I think he has an automatic weapon still. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like... I, I think know. he's got protection. I think, you know, yeah. he's, I think he's good, you know. I think, he's good. Goes, I think this goes and this goes back to everybody just kind of saying like okay you hear the voice in the darkness why not just open up and start shooting but you know then we wouldn't then like we the main gripe right with that whole yeah. situation with the whole situation or when they open fire when Negan steps outside because remember they all this planning all this setup they finally right. you know drive into the sanctuary after taking out a couple of the guards while Dwight just kind of turns a blind eye to let it happen Right, and, right. you know, Negan comes out with his lieutenant and a new lieutenant named Regina. That was random. Yeah. <laughs> was I think she's random. been there, but we, we don't really see her as often. And But we do. I think we have heard her a little bit here and there. Maybe. I don't remember exactly, but. Because it just felt so random. It was like, oh, who are you? It's like Regina. I'm like, okay. Hi, Regina. You've like, been here the whole time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, all right. Well, right. Mental note. <laughs> but yeah, and I think that what, you know what's interesting about about the Father Gabriel thing is that yeah, I mean Rick had a chance to kill Negan, but it kind of does speak to that long term, months drawn out plan. Yes. I think they're coming to realize that it's not enough to take one man out. I mean, you right. you can you can take this the head off a snake, but in science, that snake's head can live for a really long time. Right. Um, and the snake's body can also live for a really long time without each other. And I think they're transposing that into the show. Like if they kill Negan, it would be chaos. People would die. Right. Somebody would come out on top and the cycle would just continue. Cause that's what they it's like we said, that's what they want. You know, they right. want that 140 characters or less. They want that kind of put me in a box a box of rules that are easy to follow yeah. or else I die like any country where you take out the existing government I mean you know yeah. The, the, next, yeah, the next batch uh, the next ruler coming in may not necessarily be the best so mm. well, we've had experience with that slightly <laughs> a little bit but I think what they're attempting to do from the flash forwards I'm not sure how successful they are I think they're trying to actually get people on board with the it's not all about me philosophy like that they're finally realizing i mean maybe at one point they were worrying what makes us i think the show was 
was worrying about, you know, what makes Rick's crew any different than Negan's crew. And right. especially with, with those speeches in the beginning of this episode, we am them, you know, that sort yeah. of thing. And the answer is in embedded within the episode at least three times. He says, you know, you made it that way. You, It's not all about me. Um, You know, you made it that way, meaning it's not all about me. It's I'm going to follow you. The idea that maybe part of their plan is to get them to see that it's not all about one person. It's not about the idea of Negan or I am Negan. Right. Uh, and to do that, they need to take a series of steps with the people that are trapped in that building. And yeah, I mean, they let a, a herd. But if you think about it, they could have done any number of things to end those people. Like if it's yeah. a herd that kills that kills some of the people in there and injures them, then they're kind of almost it's not quite them. You know, you give them a chance. With right. the herd. It's yeah. not the herd's fault. Yeah. And they don't know what's going on. You know, it may be that none of the people know what's going on. You know, it's, oh, it's just a herd that came through and wiped us all out. Oh, and then the Alexandrian Hilltop people you know, are here to save us. Right. No, it's true. It is true. I mean, they're kind of giving them a, a way out. And I think that that's what Rick was trying to do initially before just opening fire at seven, which I did like. <laughs> I did like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You get that little bit of satisfaction. <laughs> yes, exactly. That moment, moment of satisfaction. I was like, oh, really? We're going to count all the way to one? Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of all the times that Negan's made him count, you know, yeah. count uh, or, or counted out before he chopped Carl's arm off or didn't he draw lines on his arm, if I'm not yes. mistaken? Yes. That's actually that. that. Yeah. That was the other thing that bothered me about that episode. Like he asked Simon for a pen and, you know, Simon was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, who has pens or Sharpies in the apocalypse? <laughs> the apocalypse, like, right. <laughs> just like, wait, let me just get one out of my pocket. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Never underestimate Simon, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Simon. or that person that has a pen—they're prepared for whatever. Simon is an odd duck. He's yeah. a fascinating duck, but he is odd. Well, who knows if he makes it out? Yes, you said. What did you just say? No, I didn't say anything. I said he is an odd duck. Oh, he's he, an odd. I thought you said he was hot. Like I was like, no. oh, you're admitting to something. No, no, uh, no. So my thing but, is, old white men, you have no attraction to anybody. Okay, fine. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so. no. We'll leave it there. Not Stephen, not not Simon. I will tell you that. Not no porn stash. That that wisp of hair. No, not, none no. of that. Okay. Oh. Would you believe those eyebrows? That gotten so much success off of Grand Theft Auto. All of this off of Grand <laughs> believe, Theft Auto. I believe it. Yeah. Like he got this role on Walking Dead. He has a reoccurring role on Westworld. I mean, like oh. he's all of this from a building. from Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. I believe it. I, was, I believe I it. I was reading an article about that and they were just like, yeah, rock star making careers. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. It's like, it's like he's just sitting back raking in the money now. And well earned. Yeah, he's a good kind of mid character, like evens the show out, you know, a little bit he of realism does. with a little bit of intimidation. He does. He has something. And the funny thing is that I think that they created this character because he tried out for the Negan character and he didn't get the role. Oh, and, yeah. But they, but they they loved him so much that they created this kind of right hand man sort of That's thing. That's right. I and think he, he said this, right? On yeah, Talking Dead. Um, he said that, yeah. But he's very good at, especially in his meetings with Gregory, kind of having this intimidation sort of thing, but it's very subtle and you don't quite know what he's going to do. Like every time that he would have these meetings with Simon, I just don't know what Simon's about to do. <laughs> like I'm always sort of like, I, Simon could just, you know, fly off the handle. I don't know. He just gives you that impression that 
like you just don't know. You have to kind of be on your guard. I think that plays to the idea that he was passed up as Negan, if you think about it. Because notice that like anytime he he's being the enforcer, he makes other people do it. Whereas Negan yeah. will most of the time do it himself, which is a huge difference. And it kind of plays to the real life story of how he became Simon, if you think about it. Yeah, you could have been Negan, but you you weren't quite there. You weren't ruthless enough to do it yourself. Like yeah. the, the idea of the character kind of just being just under Negan. Yeah, no, I think quite. somebody, well, somebody said that, and I think it was, it might have been something from Game of Thrones, but I, I don't watch Game of Thrones, so I'm not totally sure. But because I, I have. <laughs> okay. It was some kind of line, something along like, he who deals the sentence or who also, but will also wield the sword or something like that. Something yeah, that along those lines. That's right. That was Ned and Stark. That, and that's basically Negan. I mean, he he will dish out the punishment, but he will also be the one to you know, deliver it. We've seen it. Which may he, go he's... towards um to that backstory idea. Like maybe he's taken on this mantle. Maybe he's enjoying it too. I don't know. Maybe he's yeah. not. Maybe, he, you know, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, but I, I will be very curious to see. And I think they will. I think that they will go into it a little bit more. Somehow I'll be keeping my eyes peeled for all that. This whole squirmish that ends up happening blows up pretty quickly and you you have this firefight that breaks out and Negan doesn't go inside so he's behind one of the shields right one of the metal shields that they use on like the RV or the on cars the RV, or whatever right. Rick is obsessed with taking him out Gabriel convinces him not to you know it's not about you and he takes a Polaroid for posterity <laughs> right before slow mo yeah. Polaroid right I love how the Polaroid just kind of came out like it's just such a random I mean I know where it comes from from obviously because what the saviors do too they take polaroids for posterity of the people they've killed oh, but yeah, right. yeah so random but i mean you know i sent you a message as soon as the thing happened with gabriel and and gregory i was like dumbass gabriel here we go <laughs> <laughs> oh formula I was, I was like here we go because it, you knew that was gonna happen but don't we know who gregory is at this point what are you doing dude <laughs> <laughs> they both fell into the roles perfectly they were in the right place at the right time <laughs> or right. the wrong place and you know gregory was in the right ah, time god and of course gabriel is stuck left behind right. and gets into the trailer when we hear negan's voice and you know realize that oh here they are these two stuck in the trailer now the thing that i'm confused about that i and i'm gonna need to rewatch this to figure this out okay after this whole squirmish they keep moving on to their i guess their next point that they need to address or take out or whatever and you see a scene with rick and they're going in one direction but then they show a scene with carol and morgan and uh i don't know if it was tara or some of the of the kingdom people and they're at another location and i guess they approached some saviors and one of them had a grenade or they were like threw oh, it that's right that, that uh, satellite outpost right yeah because there's a bunch of things going on at once you know some people yes. protecting alexandria some people still going out for outposts so because that's like a communication like a, station right and then there was like the smoke or whatever and you don't necessarily see at that point like what's you know like, right with the, with the grenade and stuff. right and it happened so fast that i was like wait 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 wait, wait. what's going <laughs> <laughs> what just happened i'll be very curious to see because that is my girl and not just because she has my name but just, <laughs> just, no, i mean of all the i mean i would argue and say that she is one of the most well-developed characters right now in general i mean she right. has come light years from, i mean from season one to now i mean she has lived two lifetimes three lifetimes probably yes i mean they, i feel like her character is practically put on hold you know right. for two seasons 
seasons, I mean, you get the feeling that we can maybe see some interesting things. Yes. And they definitely have spent their time developing her. Rick went to another station, right? That's the impression I got, that he was at another satellite station after this whole... Negan shooting at Negan thing. Yeah. It seems like they went off in another direction, but then Carol and the kingdom people were at that uh, outpost. You know, it makes me wonder because a lot of things in this episode were disjointed except for the obvious scenes. Right. So now I'm even wondering if he did those speeches because they, they, I don't think they were at a station. I do believe that they were in that field again, which makes me think, did he say that speech after the whole Negan thing? It happened before and the only, and I thought the same thing at first, but when I looked at the crowd, Gabriel was still there. So that's okay. what made me okay. realize, okay, this is this is the same speech that he was giving at the onset before they officially went into battle. Right, because I did right. think that for a second. I was like, is he giving them kind of like, okay, you know, now we did this, but we got to keep going or whatever. Like I thought, is that this kind of speech? But then I looked at the group and I saw Gabriel. So that kind of tipped me off that, okay, we're doing this jumping around again. Right, right. I think they re- re-met in that field and I think they were supposed to move on to somewhere else i think they are i think you know we got to continue with this plan even though we don't have gabriel father gabriel or maybe they assume father gabriel is doing something that he was supposed to do but he's not he's not yeah they weren't necessarily clear on that yeah so that's that's going to be interesting to find out let's get this one thing out of the way the whole carl going back to the to the gas station leaving the canned vegetables with the page from the quran by the way the sorry note to that kid i mean i definitely get the impression that this is a character that is going to play some kind of role for sure not quite yeah. sure yet like the but, not as uh, not as snarky dumbass glenn basically right i mean i don't know about you but when when you hear this guy talk for the first time so opposite from glenn but the same kind of reveal where you know time. glenn was yeah. basically radioing the tank saying you know yeah. only a dumbass would do this you know go into a tank in the middle of work walkers he has certain parallels with glenn this character <laughs> microwave yeah. people throw a microwave at me yeah like there's a kind of likability because they're they're just kind of like a normal guy you know i mean comic just... foil a little bit too yeah like a normal yeah. guy but also this guy probably has a gun on me maybe i'll just use humor like maybe i'll just be right. real but also real funny yeah exactly you know so i definitely think they keep this guy's coming back I, oh I'll, yeah I'll, for sure for sure well, one I way or the see. other <laughs> one way or the other this guy's coming back and by the way that scene that was like the exact copy of season one did you know like well towards the end of that scene there's a walker that comes out that rick kind of tilts his head like hmm? eventually takes out his hatchet to obviously kill the walker we don't see it and she looked very much like the little girl from throwback to season one you know obviously bigger that was the same actress the little girl now like 17 years old they brought Holy her back mackerel it was the same actress so they I did yeah, not know that i read it online and i was like oh my gosh and you know they tried to get like the wound in the same place try to make it as similar <sighs> as possible i was like yeah because i was like oh yeah she does kind of look like the little girl except bigger well it was the same <laughs> And they went full tilt on that. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, good for them. <laughs> yeah. And let's go next level. I mean, what if, what if he didn't, because I don't think he, you don't really they know that he killed it. the girl. No, they didn't show it. Because he doesn't know yeah. what's going on. Yeah. He just kind of looked curiously, but then that that's it. Like they, they don't, they never showed exactly what happened. Yeah. For all he knows that they're sick and what I do, I can't kill a sick living person. Yeah. I, I thought that was really interesting. I was like, wow. 
Go figure. Wow. They really are coming full full circle. And the reason why I want to start with the guy in the gas station, Muslim Glenn, basically, is is because of what Rick says at the end of the episode, if I'm not mistaken. What he says in the beginning, which is which is the passage, May my mercy prevail over my wrath. Very troubling. This is one of the middle flash forwards. He's obviously not gray and bearded and stuff like that. But very distressed. Yeah, very distressed, very shocked or weary. I am going to be paranoid with every single episode. Of course. In, the, in the background of that scene, there's some sort of stained glass right. or something or other. So now every right. episode, I'm going to be looking for the house with stained glass. <laughs> Just looking for that house. Cause yeah. Was it at the foot of a house or was it just hanging from a tree? Because I, I thought maybe that stained glass was, remember that tree in the distance they were, they were always a flashing to? It could be. It could, have been it could be that, you know, maybe. Either way, I'm looking for that stained glass anywhere I can see it. <laughs> Because I'm trying to figure out, it's going to tip me off and say, okay, there it is. Something ends up happening here. Yeah, they're going to fuck you and you know that because yeah. they're not going to bring that up until like way later. Yeah. Be like <laughs> You're going to be looking 13. for it just like the zombie pigs. Ugh. Like, oh, why don't they talk about that crap? The, the zombie yeah. eating pigs. Yeah. Uh, it's like, what happened? Like, where did that happen? Yeah, exactly. They're going to make us forget about a bunch of things. Weird Al. <laughs> Let's talk about that for half an hour. <laughs> I don't know what to make of it, but like, you, uh, you know, another you, one bites the dust. Obviously, like a little humorous spin to another one rides the bus. And some people try to like come up with these like theories. They're like, well, really? You know, the, they, really? Like, there were some people that were like, I mean, and I laughed at it, but they're like, well, you know, it's a war. So it's another one bites the dust, but it's in the future. So they can look back with humor or whatever. I'm like, what if Robert Kirkman just likes Weird Al and he just wants to fuck with people? Because this yeah, I mean, is look, what he yeah. likes to do. Look at <laughs> what happened with Easy Street. I mean, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, Exactly. He's just fucking with you. Don't take it yeah. too seriously. Don't take it too seriously. I was like, torturing and, you. And I can see Robert Kirkman very easily as a Weird Al fan. So I don't put it past him to just be like, sure. This is like Scott Gimple going, oh, I'm going to fuck with these guys so hard. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to think there's some significance. Oh, but another one rides. What does that mean? What does that mean? Is it because the world's getting bigger? They have to make a bigger bus? Uh, yeah, you know they get a kick out of this stuff. Uh, another one bites uh, the dust. There's not much you could really say about that scene. You can really go on uh, some crazy theories and tangents. And I, I'm going to have to stop myself from doing that because yeah. I'm already kind of doing that. This is not going to turn out the way we think it's going to turn out, but in a very negative way. So just like you I, said before. Yeah. For me, it's like I said before, since I've read the comics, I'm kind of biased. So when they released the trailer for the season in Comic-Con. Like the All Out War. Yeah. The All Out War trailer i remember watching it and most of it was the action sequences actually a lot of those action sequences were in this first episode that were from the trailer a lot of them which i was was very surprised about but the thing that every time everybody talked about in the trailer was those last few seconds or moments that showed the old man rick scene and then the close-up on the cane and the flowers and all of that and for me as someone who's read the the, has read the comics i already kind of made my conclusions based Based on what I knew, but I know a lot of people were like, well, was it all a dream? They admitted that they purposely kind of also in homage to season one, the way they shot it was how when he woke up in the hospital in season one, in episode one. 
and right. the flowers are next to him that Shane brought him. Kind, right. Right. So part of it is kind of like a, a, a nod to the first episode. Um, and a new beginning. You know, obviously you need an homage to the first episode. Right. Right. Exactly. Mm. So I think that that's part of it. But as somebody who's read the comic, like I kind of came to my own conclusions when I saw that. I thought it was interesting at the end. They have the flash forward because they go back to that flash forward a few times. And I think towards the end, it's a little longer. And you see Judith, obviously, right. who is bigger now. Yeah, a taller Carl. Yes. An even taller Carl. They never actually, sh- did they show him like facially or they just, no, they, just, they didn't, right? Okay. Just his side, like how tall he actually is. Right. They never really like actually showed him. That's what I thought. I was like, they didn't actually show him. But you see Judith and you obviously can kind of gauge, okay, years have passed <laughs> based on how he looks and how Judith looks. And she mentions something about like an owl festival. Right. Festival. And that's the thing I want to focus on because you could write this off as a sort of fantasy. And even like, you know, in the beginning when they were first cutting to that flash forward, because he's mentioning to Michonne, oh, you know, I have been starting to think about the future. And you could honestly throw that away, that whole scene away. Like, oh, this is him just idealizing his future. And But then the Owl Festival. Okay, See, wait, yeah, what? Yeah. What does that and mean? For me, all I will say is as someone who's read the comic, you should pay attention to that term, the festival, because that is not throwaway dialogue. It's purposely there and it's significant for anybody who's read the comic knows what that means. It makes my stomach hurt. (laughs) Because you know something, I think what makes me feel a little bit better about what you know is how many times they've diverged from the comics. Right. So think about that for a minute and and get more squirmy. Right. And I don't know necessarily, you know, when they would even get to this flash forward that could be next season that could be season nine episode one for all we know because originally when i saw that flash forward in the trailer for comic-con i thought to myself whoa okay so maybe we're gonna get through this war rather quickly i don't know i mean (laughs) they're including in the trailer this flash forward but then when i watched this episode and they included here i'm like maybe it's just trying to set up the season but we're still not gonna quite get to it yet officially I I don't know. I don't know necessarily how long they're going to drag it because I think that they're also weary about how they paced last season. So I don't think that they want to necessarily make this too laborious because... Right. But I think the the issue with last season was that just the way the episodes were structured. I mean, this episode was good. Part of the reason why it was, to me, it was good was because... There were a lot of moving parts and we got exposed to all of those moving parts at one time. Okay, right. Carol, Morgan, and the As many as can fit there. comfortably. As many as can fit comfortably, we're seeing what each faction is doing. Whereas right. last season, it was like, okay, this is a Daryl episode. Okay, this episode is a yeah, yeah. episode. This, oh, you know, it's like, Which okay, I so think is good in its own right. It's like the huge difference between like Game of Thrones. Yes, there's tons of characters. And if you had all their stories running at once, it would be a crazy show where nothing got done, which is kind of like, okay, that last season was the exact opposite of that. Every character's story was drawn out mm-hmm. and in some ways overlapping with the overall timeline. Like you said, we're seeing a lot of things happen, you know, finally move, things are in motion. Right. Um, and we're seeing all these plans full of people happening all at once. It's not about the one character. It's about handfuls of characters. Right. Exactly. So I think that they'll approach it differently. I don't know how long they'll drag it out, but I'll be very curious to see. They feel like this is a football play.
play. <laughs> like, okay, they're going to race around here and distract you and, and throw a fake pass there. And then they'll do a lateral fake. And then, you know, in the end, they're going to run it. I think what they're going to do is I think they're going to play with the old man Rick flash forward, probably for several episodes. They're going to draw that out. We're not going to be able to glean any real tangible information. We're going to absorb facts that won't make sense until much later on. They'll feel significant, but you will never make the connection until it finally does. Right. And then the, the whole reason for doing that is so that you forget about the may my mercy prevail over my wrath scene. They're right. planning a seed in the first episode and they will not revisit that scene no, until the end right. of the season. I, I firmly believe that too. That's just sort of like planting the seed for the direction of the season, but we're not actually going to get there. <laughs> we're not going to get yeah. there yet. That's like the check engine light coming on in your car for yeah. like one drive, then not coming up again. And you're kind of like, oh, okay. Oh, I, guess it, I guess it was nothing. But like in the back of your head is like, I haven't oh, seen that check engine light come on. Gosh, maybe I should be worried and i'm only why i'm saying this is because that did happen to me <laughs> so i'm kind of like i think i need to service this thing i'm not sure okay i'll forget about it you know that sort of thing so Please the point is don't forget about that because it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna come things up. good things may happen probably in the next several because they said like the next four episodes at the very least are going to be action-packed things are going to happen right so you probably will forget about that scene but i think the point is with all the good things that may happen on those in those four episodes yeah. just remember what happened in that one scene and and just yeah. know that yeah. scott gimple will ruin your dreams <sighs> will ruin all your aspirations he will make you feel the inferior and robert kirkman i mean honestly i will tell you that i have sat and read up to a certain point of the comics and i've gotten to points where i'm just like i get to a point i read it and i just want to throw it against the wall and say fuck this shit like i'm <laughs> over it i'm not <laughs> done with this what's the point like why why am i gonna read this and just torture myself fine yeah <laughs> take everybody i love and just take everybody i love away from me yeah exactly. it's like you, you know that uh, experiment where they're where you're behind glass and they they're electrocuting somebody in a chair and <sighs> and you have the option to get them to stop oh they're like oh this guy's a bad person so and then you know you're supposed to shock them it's that whole thing and i think kirkman is just trying to test your limits until you yeah. finally he, he wants you to stop reading for your <laughs> humanity yeah but like like as long as you keep reading, the test will go on and you're all actually an awful person for being a comic fan, basically. Our punishment. That's what I get. Yeah. It's an infinite loop. Because you're reading, you're an awful person <laughs> and and you'll forever be tortured by him killing off everybody you love when all Pretty you much. really need to do to break the cycle is just to stop reading. <laughs> and he wants you to stop reading. He's rooting for you, really. <laughs> I've heard similar from George R. Martin, actually. <laughs> Like, I'm just fucking with you guys. Seriously. I've heard many. <laughs> then you had to make a show about it. <laughs> Yeah. Geez. In a completely fabricated uh, last season. <laughs> so, you know, you're ruining my dream of yeah. getting people to read something I want them to stop reading. <laughs> <laughs> On our recording, it's been like two hours and 17 minutes. I'm hoping and I can cut this down by at least 15 minutes. <laughs> it wraps up to a nice, neat two hours, which is still more than anybody's going to want to listen to. <laughs> I have listened to some pretty good podcasts, I will say, that have been... 
Okay, maybe not two, but maybe an hour and a half. This is the first. It's a <laughs> yeah, premiere. Not quite the, the round number like two. It's the premiere. No, but though. I have two though. It's true. It is the premiere. We've had to establish yeah. ourselves. So yeah, and I knew this was going to happen too. I knew we would have to get into some intro to some recap yes. to like ease the whole. It's because yeah, I mean, it is kind of the idea of new beginnings. We kind of have to take some of the sum total of what the cast has been through, what the show's been through in itself. Like the show is a living thing in a weird way, yep. and then introduce ourselves you know how we came about and i'm sure like more stuff about ourselves will be revealed like you know my love for old white men or <laughs> you're not love for anybody except for a girl's name carol which is you um, ride or die that is my girl <laughs> ride or die i love my carols bitch exactly um, <laughs> i want all the carols um yeah. people say i don't blame you. people say like oh if daryl dies we write i'm like no carol dies i'm walking off the set and done it's all about the carol fuck the daryl yeah Daryl was supposed to be dead from the beginning, like non-existent, alive. Yeah, <laughs> so, pretty much. Yep. So with that in mind, you've been listening to Squawking Dead with uh, Dave and Carol. And tune in to the next one, which should be sometime next week. Hopefully, we'll make that happen. Until then, Carol. See you next time. Peace out. Okay, and cut. Nice. <laughs>